It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. And I am the owner of KWM Radio and co-host of this Estate Planning Essentials program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., carefully seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting here over the telephone with my attorney, who should be your attorney, the Michael H. Cohen. Hello, Michael. I don't know what Michael H. is, the H. stands for. My middle initial is B, but I'm waiting to hear with bated breath, what does the H. stand for? Well, ironically, I was saying hello, which starts with an H, but that's not what it stands for. It comes to mind from last week's program, and that is the H is for however, Michael However Cohen, because you gave us so many examples during last week's program about all these exceptions that have to be considered when transferring property to a loved one. And every time you kept talking, I don't think you used the word however once, but I kept saying to myself, there are so many howevers here and things only an attorney like you could know. You don't read. Uh, you don't go to the Internet typically. It's all in your brain based on what you've studied and learned and experienced. And that's why you don't have to do the however. This is just all kinds of um, um, dev- all kinds of devils in the details. And you make sure that none of them are missed, no rock goes unturned, and that your clients, potential existing, are entirely protected and know all the facts before they make decisions. And I admire you for that. I could never do that. And I don't think anybody else should try to do that. But instead, they should attend your next workshop, which is Saturday, April the 30th at 10 o'clock. But before we talk about the workshop, um, today's program is going to be simply a typical day in the life of estate planning attorney Michael Cohen. In other words, you have a success story for us regarding estate planning about someone presumably here in the Dallas area that you want to share with our audience today. Yeah, and I did get their permission, I might add, uh, about this because they just just one of the the epilogue, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. uh, just concluded this week. Even though we start, we did the planning in 2010. Oh my! Uh, well, wow! Twelve years, twelve years ago, things uh, started. Uh, we had done some work then, uh, and I guess I'll just tell you the story. And by the way. Uh, for those who were interested, since you mentioned uh, about the last week's show was about uh, exceptions to transferring your property without calling the note on your homestead, uh, every show that we do is as a podcast, oh, yeah. uh, which we have on our website. So anyway, let's talk about the story that started in 2010. In this case, the wife uh, had dementia. Uh, she lost capacity. And, and this was actually, you mentioned the Dallas area. It was, it was in a rural area in Texas. Uh, uh, it was uh, more in uh, northeast Texas. Okay. And anyway, but 
they came to me to get mom on Medicaid because she needed to be in a nursing home. Uh, the husband had uh, gotten guardianship over his wife. There was, you know, some, if you don't have a power of attorney, so everybody should have a power of attorney. Uh, if you don't have a power of attorney that gives authority for somebody, even if it's your property that you own together, let's say you have a home. Uh, if you wanted to sell your home, uh, then you couldn't do that if you lost capacity without either having a power of attorney or seeking guardianship. Uh, so in this case, the wife had never signed a power of attorney, and so the husband got uh, guardianship over her not only taking care of her, but also over her assets. All right. So the they, the couple had no long-term care insurance. Most people don't. That is to help pay for long-term care. In this case, she had to go in the nursing home due to her dementia. Uh, they had um, different assets. They had some farmland, a cattle ranch. They had some property uh uh, other property besides the homestead, uh, they had probably, there were some, uh, the, the cattle ranch, it was actually even a cattle business, and um, there was um, some CDs and an annuity. Anyway, there's probably about $600,000 or so of assets. Now, if they don't have long-term care insurance, then what happens, how do you get Medicaid if you have $600,000 assets? I thought Medicaid was supposed to be for the poor. And they usually, when it first was established, it probably was. Uh, but that changed a long time ago in the 1980s because they didn't want to have people were getting divorced to get eligible for Medicaid. And they thought that Congress said, that's not a good idea. Uh, we think it's a. We think it's. We want people to not get divorced just to have to have the government help pay for long-term care costs. And of course, as we know, people are living longer today than they ever had before. Uh, as we talked about on a show a couple of weeks ago, uh, the even the government has redone their charts on life expectancy. So when you do take out of your retirement accounts, it's a longer life expectancy. So there's less that you have to take out. Uh, than there would have been last year even. So anyway, uh, the bottom line is they had $600,000 of assets. In the 1980s, the law changed to allow expansion of the amount of assets that you could keep. Right now in 2022 for Medicaid, the general rule is that if your assets are your accountable assets, and not everything counts, if your accountable assets uh, uh, cannot exceed $137,400. Well, I just told you that there were $600,000 or more of assets in this case. But some of the assets wouldn't count, like a homestead. Uh, a business essential for self-support doesn't count. One car doesn't count. Uh, generally, some personal property items do not count. Uh, so a lot of times what people do is they try to convert assets that uh, count into things that do not count. Well, we had kind of a combination here because under those federal laws to prevent spouse impoverishment, they look at your income, typically Social Security or pension. And if your income is low enough, they let you keep more than 137000 
uh, $400. So it is possible to keep $600,000 of assets and still get the government to help pay for the wife's care uh, if your income is low enough. The limit right now, just to let you know, and not that you need to know these figures, if the not what they call uh, non-countable resource income, which is typically your Social Security, and they look at gross, in other words, before the Medicare Part B premium is taken out, your pension, let's say you have teacher's retirement or some other military pension, uh, or if you have an annuity income or income that's like if you have a certain type of income each month that's annuitized was what they say, that you have to get the income. Uh, or if you're earning wages, those are examples of non-countable resource income. But we have one more and in, in this case. I told you that they had a cattle ranch or a cattle ranch where they had herds of cattle. Well, the if you have uh, a business that's essential for self-support, uh, the government will not count it as a resource. To have it as a considered a business, there has to be income. So you want to make sure that the income is low enough that we could expand the protected resource amount. In other words, go from that 137,400 to 600,000 in this case uh, by making sure that the income is low enough. So you might tell see what your expenses might be. Uh, and then you might see when you might sell some cattle and how much cattle to sell, uh, just like if you had a crop of uh, soybeans uh, that you might say, okay, sell soybeans so that we have a, enough of an income. If you don't have income, the, the uh, government doesn't consider it as a non-countable resource hmm. uh, because it's not a business essential for self-support. Got it. So, yeah, so you just have to kind of – so you have to have it really low so you can expand the amount – you have a low, low amount of income so that you have more of a spread between the allowable limit and the uh, actual non-countable resource income. So in this case, we told them what to sell the cattle or how much cattle to sell, and then we would make sure that the income was low enough to protect all $600,000 and get eligibility which is what we did in 2010. So the first step was to get eligibility. Okay, that sounds great. I, you wouldn't think that somebody with $600,000 of assets would be eligible for Medicaid, but in this case, that was what happened. But step number two, for Medicaid, you have to be below $2,000 uh, within one year. The Medicaid recipient, so in this case, the wife, has to be below $2,000 of countable resources within one year. Uh, so if you don't, you lose eligibility. So what do we do? We have here a guardianship uh, proceeding uh, that because the, per because the wife had no power of attorney. And um, we said, well, we have to transfer the assets to the to the uh, well spouse, the husband, uh, and by the way, we recommended we do this immediately. Uh, remember, uh, the older we are, the more likelihood of either disability or death. And so not only do we have to do it within one year for Medicaid purposes, but so, you know, the more likely, the older we are, the more likelihood of disability or potentially death. So, um, but we got a problem here too, because for a lot of courts, 
Uh, In this case, it would be a county court because they don't have probate courts in rural areas. Uh, Dallas, you have what's called probate courts, and they deal with guardianship. Uh, But in county courts, there's less population, Hmm. so the county court will have – they may have a criminal matter right at the same time as a guardianship matter. So so we had to have the courts uh, grant the permission to transfer the assets from the ill spouse – in this case, the wife, to the husband. Well, the problem there is, under the law, you have to do what's in the best interest of the ward. So a lot of judges would not allow the transfer. They don't care. They may not care if uh, somebody loses Medicaid or not, because they have to do what's in the best interest of the ward. That means selling the assets and having to you sell the assets to help pay for that person's care. That will be a decision of the judge. So uh, since this was in a rural area, and I'm going to have to tell you a little bit, this is not (laughs) from a legal standpoint, just my own kind of thing here. I figure that some judges may not like a big city attorney to go to a small city. I know that every judge is going to try to be fair, but I kind of (laughs) felt like, you know, well, maybe it's better for the, the attorney who might play golf or fish with uh, the judge, it might be better coming from him instead of the, the, yeah, the, the nerdy uh, attorney in Dallas that right. uh, comes there and tries to tell them how to run their business. Or the uh, my, co- my cousin Vinny scenario, right? Yeah, right, right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And so, so I talked to the local uh, attorney and I said, okay, local attorney, this is what I think you ought to say. <laughs> and uh, I said, um, all right, so first of all, this is what we're going to do. We we're, we have to do this for one year to save benefits for the benefit of the ill spouse. Second, what we're going to do is we're going to have a will that says everything goes back to that benefit of that well spouse, but in a trust that doesn't count for Medicaid. So even if we... Uh, so now we able to we're able to uh, keep the assets for the benefit, even if we we have a duty to support that spouse anyway under Texas law, and this way we comply with the Medicaid rules. We have a duty to support. Uh, promise not to get divorced to my wife for 50 years, and uh, even if I die, I have protected her, and it also gets protection. I give her the extra protection from creditors besides having uh, to have her care taken care of. The judge said, you know, local attorney, I think that sounds reasonable. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. We transferred all the assets immediately from the ill spouse Uh, Now, you have to be careful when you do these deeds because some people, some title companies, you have to consider some of the issues that they may have. So, for example, on a homestead, on a homestead, a spouse always has a right to live in the home for the rest of their life under the Texas Constitution. They have a life estate. So some title companies would not accept a uh, deed saying you can't ever date between spouses, but that's actually – We've had so some title companies will work with you and some won't. So that's another issue you have to always consider is the uh, the what a title company would do. So we have different title companies that we know that will work with us, uh, and then we look at the situation. And also, when you have a deed, when it's a uh, property like that, then a lot of times you have to have both spouses sign. So how do you have both spouses sign? Well, you one you might sign individually and as guardian of the estate. 
to transfer that interest of that uh, community property to the individual person and have a partition as a sole and separate property. If it was community property and if it's separate property, well then, you know, let's say it was inherited property, which uh, let's say they inherited the farm or the ranch wife had. Well, then it may be separate property, and then she might be able, unless she's put the name, the husband's name on it, uh, then she may then just transfer it individually to her husband through the guardian who signs the deed after the court order permits it. Okay, so they had to worry about that, and guess what happened? Well, before you tell us, Michael, what happened, what needs to happen is every person listening to this program, this podcast, um, however, they're listening to the program. Uh, they should attend Michael's next workshop, which is Saturday, April the 30th at 10 o'clock. It's in the State Planning Essentials Workshop, and you, every year we talk about this, Michael. Um, people get their taxes done. They just had them recently completed a few days ago, and they got punched in the mouth basically financially, not realizing this or realizing that. Maybe there, there some have benefited, but a lot of people haven't. A lot of people listening to this program have not, and they paid a lot more than they expected, and no one likes that. So maybe that's a reason to attend Michael's next workshop because he's so expert when it comes to estate planning and Medicare and Medicaid, as you clearly heard today, and that's all the more reason to attend his next workshop, which is in person for the first time in two years on Saturday the 30th, which is the last day of April at 10 o'clock in the morning. Michael, first tell them where the workshop is and then what goes on. Well, it's going to be at our conference center of our office building, which is uh, near LBJ and Central. It's actually off the Forest uh, Street exit, uh, Forest Lane exit, that is. Uh, the If you know where Medical City Hospital is, it's right to the north of uh, Medical City Hospital. Great. No traffic issues, which is nice, too, if it's a Saturday morning. And then those workshops he's been doing for 10, 15, 20, I've lost track how long he's been doing these workshops. But this is the first one in person in over two years. But nevertheless, they don't change, whether in person or online. And you simply ask people what they want to know regarding those important topics. Yeah, we ask people what they want to know, whether it's about estate planning, or in this case, we're talking about both estate planning and Medicaid planning. Uh, it could be about veterans' benefits. It could be about anything. Uh, we don't know what the questions that people are going to ask. We just ask people what they want to know. And for those two hours of that free estate planning essentials workshop, we answer your questions, as well as having a presentation to give the basics so people could understand. We don't expect you to remember everything, but at least you'll understand the basics, and you're going to learn something from the questions that other people have. Uh, to attend that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. If you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, not only uh, will you get to learn something there without obligation, but we also give you another bonus of another free one-hour consultation without any obligation to see what your specific issues might be and to review whatever you might have to make sure that your plan to protect your loved ones the way you would like is the way you would, is the way it's uh, is is good. And if it's not, we'll let you know what the options are. And, and, and it, you know, like I said, it's no obligation. It's free. 
Uh, and again, all you have to do is call that 214-720-0102 number. Excellent. We've got about three, four minutes left. What happened with this client of yours 12 years later? Okay. Well, first of all, we had done a new will immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, the husband had capacity, and remember, we did that special needs trust. So when we had right. that special needs trust, everything had been transferred to him. And by the way, since you mentioned taxes, uh, when you die and you own property, you get a step up in basis, as we talked about on last week's show. Right. And the so what happened? He died uh, just a mild, mild month or two after we had transferred all the assets. So it was well within the year. So now all the assets were in his name. So all $600,000 worth of assets were in a trust for the benefit of the spouse, we may have used that trust for extra caregivers coming to the nursing home and other things that benefit her. It also now protected the real estate from lawsuits, things like that. Uh, and then upon death, and then mom just passed, uh, uh, well, she actually passed a few years ago. She was on Medicaid for nine years. If mm-hmm. you figure the average nursing home is maybe 6000 then, that would be for nine years, that'd be about $648,000. Well, wow. remember I talked about, uh, so now all we had that, all that $600,000 in trust, well, that if they hadn't done anything, I guess everything could have been taken and there would have been nothing. But now it goes to the children after you get the uh, claim from the state. Remember, the state makes a claim against property, whatever it is that you may have at the time of death. There's no transfer penalty between spouses. So when we transfer the assets from the wife to the husband, there was no look-back period because you had to do it within a year under the rules. And because it went into the trust, and the trust said after death it goes to the children, that's where it went. We got the Medicaid estate recovery claim. Uh, she had less. She was impoverished. She had less than a couple thousand dollars. So there was nothing for the state to go after we had a trust for her benefit for the remainder of her life. Uh, the government helped on the care cost, and the children got the money uh, after the sale of the property and after getting title company approval because of the things we had done previously by getting the letter of withdrawal from the state, uh, all uh, with a step-up in basis. Uh, as you could see, all these different tax issues Medicaid issues, estate planning issues, guardianship issues all have to come into play when you think about a plan. Boy, that is quite a great success story. I love it. Congratulations after over a decade of estate planning with this um, North Texas client of yours. It's just amazing how it all turned out. But it it makes sense. Um, I try to say, because my father, an attorney, has taught me, and of course you currently have taught me, to challenge the assumptions, that is the CTA. CTA is the call to action, which is the CTA, challenge the assumptions. But as Michael has explained today, explained last week, and explained forever, there are exceptions. And you can ask your neighbor, you can go online, you can ask other attorneys. But Michael may find exceptions that no one else can, and that's why you should sign up with him to be your attorney, or at the very least, your state planning attorney, or at the very least, attend his next estate planning essentials workshop, which again is in person, which again is Saturday, April the 30th at 10 o'clock. To sign up for that, dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 to grab a seat for you, and you want to bring a few people with you, no problem. Or go to Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, DallasElderLawyer.com, 
DallasFellowLawyer.com. And of course, finally, 25, 26 months later, anyone who attends gets a free KAAM coffee mug compliments of Michael Cohen and your friendly radio station. Michael Cohen, thank you for the education today, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.